ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد Today then we're going to begin with the hadith of Abu Sa'id radiyallahu anhu qal qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa man yasta'fif yu'iffuhu Allah wa man yastaghni yughnihi Allah wa man yatasabbar yusabbirhu Allah وَمَا أُعْطِيَ أَحَدٌ عَطَاءً خَيْرًا وَأَوْسَعْ مِنَ الصَّبْرِ مُتَّفَقٌ عَلَيْهِ This hadith now the Prophet sallallahu is guiding us to some of the praiseworthy characteristics that a Muslim should have. From amongst those praiseworthy characteristics mentioned at the beginning, it says that whomsoever suffices with what he has, suffices with what he has, and doesn't look to the other people desiring that they give him this or they give him that, he doesn't make a point or indications that he desires somebody give him things, give him this, give him that. He suffices with what he has and he is content with what he has and he does not make himself into a degrading position by looking to get things of other people. هاتان الجملتان متلازمتان فإن كمال العبد في إخلاصه لله رغبة ورهبة وتعلقا به دون المخلوقين From the perfection of a servant is his sincerity to Allah سبحانه وتعالى in all of your affairs, sincerity to Allah in all of your affairs, and you strive to be upon that perfection in yourself, and you do everything you can do to make yourself upon that perfection as a servant of Allah, sincere to Allah upon worship, وَذَٰلِكَ بِأَنْ يُجَاهِدَ نَفْسَهُ عَلَىٰ أَمْرَيْنِ And so there are two things that you need to strive for in particular. إِنْصِرَافُهَا عَنِ التَّعَلُّقِ بِالْمَخْلُوقِينَ بِالْإِسْتِعْفَافِ عَمَّا فِي أَيْدِيهِمْ Firstly, to drop your eyesight from what the people have. Do not have your eyesight geared towards what others have and perhaps hoping that they'll give you some. 
Forget about what the others have been given. Remove your eyesight from what others have. Do not go after that and hoping they'll give you some. Leave that aside and do not have your eyesight glued to what others have. فَلَا يَطْلُبُهُ بِمَقَالِهِ وَلَا بِلِسَانِ حَالِهِ So don't ask for other people to give you things. You know somebody, for example, has a phone shop. So don't go in there behaving in a way that you hope he'll give you one free. Mentioning to him, my phone isn't working too good. I broke this, I broke that. Talking in this way so you hope he has a phone shop. You hope he'll give you one for free or he'll give you a big discount on something. Don't behave in this way because it's degrading. You're lowering yourself, degrading yourself, behaving in this way. He's going to know what you're doing. He's going to know exactly what you're getting at. So then maybe from shyness, he'll probably offer you something. Don't behave in that way. Don't behave in this way where you indicate to the people that you want something and maybe you you put them into a difficult situation, an embarrassing situation and they hand you over something. Don't make yourself in that way. That is one thing. In a narration, it even mentions that the Prophet said to Umar ibn al-Khattab مَا أَتَاكَ مِنْ هَذَا الْمَالِ وَأَنْتَ غَيْرُ مُشْرِفٍ وَلَا سَائِلٍ فَقُذْهُ Whatever comes to you from wealth and you are not glued onto it, hoping for it or asking for it, it just comes to you. It comes to you. So the same guy with the phone shop, one day out of the blue, he says, you know what, have this phone for free as a gift. It's an old stock, it's out of line. Have it for free, out of the blue. In that case, okay, alhamdulillah, thank him and take it. But don't go there, like the first example, purposely putting your story across about your phone and this and that, hoping he'll give you one. Don't do that. But whatever comes to you by chance just like that, then okay, you can take it. The Prophet said to Umar ibn Khattab, وَأَنْتَ غَيْرُ مُشْرِفْ وَلَا سَائِلٍ When it's a situation where you've not been trying to get it and you've not been asking for it, it just came to you, then alhamdulillah. وَمَا لَا فَلَا تُتْبِعْهُ نَفْسَكَ And if something hasn't come to you like that, then don't put yourself out trying to get it. Don't go to his shop purposely telling him you've smashed your screen and this and that and everything. Hoping that he'll just give you one of the phones for free. Don't do that. فَقَطْعُ الْإِشْرَافِ فِي الْقَلْبِ وَالسُّؤَالِ بِاللِّسَانِ تَعَفُّفًا وَتَرَفُّعًا عَنْ مِنَنِ الْخَلْقِ وَعَنْ تَعَلُّقِ الْقَلْبِ بِهِمْ سَبَبْ قُوَّةِ لِحُصُولِ الْعِفَّةِ أو سَبَبْ قَوِي لِحُصُولِ الْعِفَّةِ So raising yourself above that level by not asking people and not throwing hints to people that you want something, not doing that kind of thing, raising yourself above that kind of thing, that gives you this good character in of yourself then, gives you this praiseworthy character that you're not after what people have got, you're not throwing them 
hints that they give you something. You're not that kind of lowly character then. The second thing, أن يجاهد نفسه على الأمر الثاني وهو الاستغناء بالله والثقة بكفايته. Secondly, to put your trust completely in Allah. Don't have your trust in other people. Don't have your trust in somebody else in creation. You have some problem with something. Don't put your trust. He's an expert in that field. He'll be able to sort me out. Such and such. He's qualified in this issue. He'll be able to sort me out. Don't put your trust in people. Put your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in all of your affairs. Whatever that may be. Don't rely on other people. Don't rely on the creation. Rely upon Allah and put your dependence in Allah for every affair. Because the one who puts his trust in Allah completely, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide for you. Allah will suffice for you. And the person who has these two characteristics, number one characteristic was, you're not after what people have got, you're not trying to drop hints to get things off people, you don't do that, you don't degrade yourself. If you don't do that, then that means you will be somebody who has a greater level of trust in Allah. You're not after what people have got, you're putting your trust in Allah and asking Allah and making dua to Allah. So that type of person will be in a better state. And the Prophet Sallallahu used to make the dua, Allahumma inni as'aluka al-huda wa-tuqa wal-afafa wal-ghina. Oh Allah, I ask you for guidance, and I ask you for taqwa, and I ask you for al-afaf wal-ghina. Exactly what we've been talking about. To be self-sufficient, to be free of what's in the hands of the people, not desiring and going after and begging and asking, to be free of those characteristics and to be sufficient. The Prophet ﷺ used to ask Allah for this dua. Then at the next part of the hadith, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, وَمَنْ يَتَصَبَّرْ يُسَبِّرْهُ اللَّهِ a person who tries to be patient, strives in being patient, then Allah will give that person patience. When difficulty comes, hardship comes, you strive to be patient at those times. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you patience. And this, as Sheikh Abdurrahman Sa'di rahimahullah ta'ala mentions, is the best of characteristics that you can be given. That you are a person of patience. Because patience is something difficult. When a person especially is in times of hardship, in times of difficulty, in times of stress, maybe somebody has oppressed you, somebody has wronged you, to be patient in these difficulties is not easy. So the one who is given this characteristic of being able to be patient in those times, 
then he's been given from the best of the characteristics. You've been given one of the best things if you've been given the ability to be patient at the times of difficulty, be it difficulty with death of somebody close to you, difficulty in your wealth which has been taken or stolen or lost, difficulty in your health, maybe some medical issue has arisen in you or your children or your family. To be patient at those types of times is not easy. So the one who has been given patience has certainly been given something great. Allah mentioned in the Quran, وَاسْتَعِينُوا بِالصَّبْرِ وَالصَّلَةِ Seek aid and assistance in patience and prayer. Be patient and return to Allah in prostration in prayer. And that will aid you in your affairs of difficulty. That will aid you in your times of hardship. To be upon patience and to be upon prayer. Prostrating to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Making dua in your sujood, in your prayer. That is what will aid you in that time of difficulty. Wasabr kasair al akhlaq. يحتاج إلى مجاهدة للنفس وتمرينها Patience like all other characteristics of this nature It requires that a person trains himself upon patience Strives to learn that patience It takes practice and training of your soul To get yourself to be patient and that is why fasting in Ramadan is something which helps you upon that training of patience. And that's why the scholars and the people of knowledge, they always used to fast a lot outside of Ramadan as well. Because when you fast, it is something which helps you to learn patience. And if you learn patience then that will help you in your times of difficulty and hardship and stress. فَلِهَذَا قَالْ وَمَنْ That's what the Prophet ﷺ said. Whoever tries to be patient, pushes himself to be patient, then يُسَبِّرْهُ Allah. Allah will help him and aid him in getting that patience in those times. But the one who does not strive at all, does not make effort to be upon patience at all, then that individual will find it difficult to be patient. And instead he will lose himself, lose himself at those times of difficulty. And he is overcome by stress and grief, overcome by depression, because he does not know about patience, does not know of the reality of patience and the need to strive for patience. So this is what is mentioned regarding the advice from the Prophet 
that whomsoever tries to be patient and strives for that, then Allah will give it to him. And also at the end it then mentions, وَمَا أُعْطِيَ أَحَدٌ عَطَاءً خَيْرًا وَأَوْسَعْ مِنَ الصَّبْرِ Nobody has been given anything greater, more expansive than patience. Patience is one of the greatest virtues you can be given. It is mentioned in the Quran 90 times in different places about patience. That Allah is with the patient ones and the other descriptions of the patience and the patience ones. So that is something great that a person needs to strive for and a characteristic which will aid you greatly in all of your affairs. The next narration we move on to. عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ما نقصت صدقة من مال وما زاد الله عبدا بعفو إلا عزا وما تواضع أحد لله إلا رفعه الله رواه مسلم In this hadith of Abu Hurairah رضي الله عنه He says that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said ما نقصت صدقة من مال That giving charity has never decreased the wealth. Giving charity does not decrease the wealth. And whenever somebody forgives, then Allah increases that person in honor. You forgive someone, then Allah increases you in honor. And there is not a servant who humbles himself, humbles himself before Allah, except that Allah will raise him. You humble yourself before your Lord, and Allah raises you in rank. هذا الحديث احتوى على فضل الصدقة. Three things are mentioned in this particular hadith. Hadith of Sahih Muslim. One is the virtue of giving in charity. That giving in charity never decreases your wealth. Secondly, the virtue of forgiving. You forgive. And Allah will raise you in honor. And thirdly, the virtue of modesty and humbleness. That Allah raises you in rank if you have that. Giving charity does not decrease your wealth. لِأَنَّهُ لَوْ فُرِضَ أَنَّهُ نَقَصَ مِنْ جِهَةٍ فَقَدْ زَادَ مِنْ جِهَاتٍ أُخَرٍ 
even if you were to say that when you give in charity physically your wealth has gone down you had a hundred pounds you gave ten pounds in charity even if you were to say now your money has gone down by ten pounds you only have ninety left the reality is your wealth has not decreased even if you look at your money now and you think there's only 90 left and there was 100 so it's decreased the reality is allah puts barakah into the wealth what you have allah puts blessing into it and allah increases it in many other ways for you that 90 pounds now you may spend that in a way of something which Allah puts great barakah in it for you. And you do not know that. Give you an easy example you could remember to understand. A person has a thousand pounds. He gives a hundred pounds in charity. He has nine hundred pounds left. He goes to buy a car. He sees one for a thousand pounds, looks really good, everything about it. Another one for 900, that doesn't look as good. Only problem is he's only got 900 left. He gave a hundred in charity over there. So he's got no choice. He's going to have to buy the one that looks a bit worse. He buys that one. That's all the money he's got. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may put blessing into that car more than the other one. If he had bought the other one, not given in charity, bought the other one for a thousand, maybe that one breaks down in a week. This one that looked worse, maybe Allah now puts blessing into it. Blessing into it that it runs and runs and runs and never breaks down. He sells it afterwards and he makes a profit on it after two years. MashaAllah. Allah puts barakah into your wealth in many other ways that you don't realize. So don't think if I have a hundred pounds and I give ten in charity, my money has physically gone down. It has not. Because the barakah Allah puts into your wealth from many other angles you will not even understand. You will not even perceive and realize how Allah has put barakah into your wealth. فَإِنَّ الصَّدَقَةِ تُبَارِكُ الْمَالِ So when you give in charity, it puts barakah into the money that you have. Puts barakah into the wealth that you have. وَتَدْفَعَنْهُ الْآفَاتِ And it takes away, stops any difficulties or problems arising in your wealth your wealth becomes safeguarded when you give in charity your wealth becomes safeguarded in a way it stops and prevents any problems coming in your wealth when you give in charity meaning you give in charity and allah safeguards your wealth for you you don't end up losing it in some bad business. You don't end up losing it in some other way. It doesn't get stolen from you. Generally, that Allah safeguards your wealth now because you are somebody who gives in charity regularly from it. So your wealth is safeguarded. 
وَتُمِّيهِ And your wealth that you have now, what you have left, it is made to grow. Allah grows your wealth even more thereafter in manners that you would not recognize. So do not ever think giving in charity, it decreases your wealth. On top of that, in other ways that Allah puts barakah into your wealth when you give in charity, that Allah opens up the doors to rizq for you even further. You give in charity regularly, Allah opens up the doors of rizq, of sustenance, of provisions, of wealth coming to you even more. فَهَلْ يُقَابِلْ ذَلِكَ النَّقْصِ بَعْضْ هَذِهِ الثَّمَرَاتَ الْجَلِيلَةِ So now the shaykh says when you think about all of that, you had a hundred pounds and you gave ten in charity, physically you've only got ninety left. That decrease that you see now physically only ninety, ten gone, has your wealth really decreased in reality? Absolutely not, because all of the barakah Allah puts into this 90 now, it is far greater than keeping your 10 in the first place. Barakah that Allah puts into it and safeguards it and increases it for you. فَالصَّدَقَ لِلَّهِ فِي مَحَلِّهَا When you give charity for the sake of Allah in the right places, in the good charities, then it will never take away your money and start decreasing it. It will never do that. How do we know it will never do that? Your money will never start to run out if you give in charity. Because the hadith, the authentic sunnah revelation tells us that. You give in charity, every now and again what you can afford, it will not take away the rest of your money. It will not decrease it. It will put barakah into your money. Whatever amount you are able to give. Everybody now, almost everybody, the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed the people. Almost everybody could afford a pound a week. How many people are there who say that they cannot afford a pound a week? Very few. Allah has blessed the people. Bless the people here. Very few would say, I can't afford a spare one pound a week. Most people here, five a week isn't a problem. Most even 10 a week, 20 a week. And some people maybe even 50 a week, 100 a week isn't a big deal. Everybody here could do something and it would not harm you. A pound a week, even 50p a week. Do not belittle. Do not belittle that you put down 50 pence a week for the masjid here. Do not belittle that. That 50 pence a week that you lose down the side of your seat in your car every week anyway. That you lose under your sofas every week anyway. That 50 pence a week. Do not belittle it. You give that 50 pence a week to the masjid. It is written down for you as a great reward. And it puts barakah into your wealth. In one narration it mentions in Sunan al-Nasai. If you aid the building of a mosque, even to the size of an egg's worth, an egg, the size of an egg, that amount you gave in charity to the mosque and your money went towards paying 
a five centimeter by five centimeter part of the mosque somewhere. The whole of the paint here cost a thousand pounds. You gave 50p in charity, that 50p painted a five by five centimeter area of the mosque. That is written for you now as aiding the masjid in building of the masjid. Says in the hadith, even if you give in the building of a mosque to the size of an egg, a small five by five centimeter area, it was your money that paid for it. Then you are there. So do not belittle the charity whatsoever, whatever amount that may be. The second point made was, the first was about the charity, giving it does not decrease your wealth. Allah puts barakah into your wealth. The second one is about forgiving. Forgiveness. When somebody wrongs you, somebody oppresses you, for you to forgive them is not downgrading yourself. When you forgive is not downgrading yourself. It is honoring yourself. You are raising yourself above the level of the masakin oppressing you. Raising yourself above the level of the foolish lying against you. Above the level of the idiotic doing wrong in their behavior towards you. You raise yourself above that and you forgive. Then that is honor for you. It is not downgrading you. You could go and take care of them. But you decide not to. You could easily deal with them. But you decide not to. You decide to forgive for the sake of Allah. Then that raises you in rank. And it clears your mind. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah said, When somebody wrongs you, and they know they've wronged you, and you forgive them, they know they've wronged you, you look them in the face and you say, I forgive you. I'm not bothered. You've done what you've done. You've wronged, you've oppressed. I forgive you. Shaykh al-Islam says, if you do that, you raise yourself and you downgrade that individual because he will go away now. No matter how he tries to behave, in his heart he will go away belittled. He will go away embarrassed in his heart now. Look at what I did to this man. Look at what I did to him. And he didn't even seek revenge. He just forgave me. He in his heart will now be the small one. And you will be the big one. So forgiving is a good characteristic. To forgive and to not bother with that. Saves you, saves your heart, saves your mind. Then... The third characteristic mentioned is التواضر, modesty and humbleness. That a Muslim has modesty and humbleness in his character, in his behavior, in how his dealings are with the people. Does not behave to the people in a belittling fashion. The scholars... Many of them you see in their biographies, they say, 
that they would never behave to other people as though they are below them. Even though you know you are ten times more knowledgeable than this one or that one. You know, maybe you know that you are ten times more knowledgeable than this one or that one. But you don't behave in a way that you show your superiority over other people. You behave with humbleness and modesty amongst the people. And the scholars, that is how they are. Some of our teachers in the University of Medina, our teachers superior to us in knowledge by miles, as you say, they've studied, they've done degrees, PhDs, masters, all sorts. And we are there now just starting our degrees. They used to come and they used to say, don't think of us as your teachers. Do not think of us as your teachers. We are all brothers. And we are all going to study together. We're all going to read these ahadith together. And we're going to study together. Do not think of us as teachers superior to you. All of us are going to learn together. All of us are going to read these ahadith and benefit together. From their humbleness. And we know, we know that they've done these books 20 years ago and they know everything in these books. But from their modesty, from their modesty they would speak in this way. Scholars, scholars, elderly in age, old in age, 70, 80. And you know, you are a speck of dust compared to the knowledge they have. You know, what you have compared to them is barely 1% of what they have. Yet the way they used to behave sometimes, the way they used to behave, you would feel, you know how they have the phrase, You would feel like you want the earth to swallow you up. From embarrassment of how this sheikh is talking with you. From the embarrassment, you know how knowledgeable he is. But he is behaving with you as though he is just like you. And it makes you feel like you don't want to talk. You want to hide and go. Because of the embarrassment, you feel now the shyness you feel. That you know this man and his level. And yet the way he is behaving with you, you know of your own character, you wouldn't do that with the people. You know of your own character. That when you behave with somebody who is far, far less than you in knowledge, you would not lower yourself like that. You know you wouldn't be able to be that humble. So you see this man who is ten times more knowledgeable than you, yet he humbles himself and speaks in a way that he doesn't put himself superior to you, then it puts a shyness into your heart and an elevation of his status even further. An elevation of his status even further. And that is a great character to have and not everybody can do that. The majority of people, when they have something of knowledge, when they have something of some superiority, they want to make it known. I'm the knowledgeable one. I'm the superior one. I know more than you. You be quiet. Listen to me. Everybody wants to be known for it. That is the whisperings of the shaitan. And they mention a story, a light-hearted story like a joke. They say there was a scholar. A story they say. There was a scholar. And he was teaching everybody. And he was telling them, make sure you do your good deeds. Make sure you do all of the righteous actions. Make sure you're doing everything every day. 
so you can try your best to get to paradise. Make sure you are sincere. Make sure you're really working hard. Because me, even me, I'm not even sure if I'm going to get to paradise. What about you lot? Even me, me, I'm not sure if I'm going to get to paradise. So what about you lot? You lot who are nothing, make sure you're working hard. Me at my level. Even I'm not guaranteed paradise. What about you lot? They say that as a joke that one of the scholars, he mentioned this to his students. That is not the way of a scholar. That is not the way of a person of knowledge. So you do not have this self-amazement with yourself. That you are considering yourself to be something and you are not something. To be impressed with yourself. Do not get impressed with yourself. Do not think yourself to be at some level or some status. That is what has destroyed the people. Considering yourself to be at some level. And you may be at some level. You may actually be at some level. You may be somewhere in knowledge. But do not stop to think, yes, I am at that level of knowledge. Yes, I am superior to all of these and those. Yes, I am equal to such and such. Do not ever start to become impressed with yourself. The one who becomes impressed with himself has opened up the door to destruction of himself. And this is something the shaitan overcomes the people with. Somebody memorizes a couple of things here and there. They listen to a couple of lectures of the scholars here and there. Read a couple of books. And now all of a sudden they think that they are somebody. They are now somebody. So that is not how you should be. Here in the hadith it mentions مَنْ تَوَاضَعَ لِلَّهِ وَمَا تَوَاضَعَ أَحَدٌ لِلَّهِ إِلَّا رَفَعَهُ اللَّهِ That there is not a person who humbles himself before Allah except that Allah raises him in rank. Allah raises him in rank. Those who are humble, those who are modest, Look at the example of the Sahaba, the companions. There are narrations about the Sahaba, and you know the Sahaba. The Sahaba, the most knowledgeable of this Ummah. After the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, they were the most knowledgeable. More knowledgeable than the Tabi'een. And the Tabi'een were more knowledgeable than the Atba' Tabi'een. The Sahaba, with all of the knowledge they had, it is mentioned in some narrations that if one of them was asked a question, he would not want to be the one answering it even though they knew the answer. He would wish that another companion answers it instead. He doesn't want to be the one giving the fatwa. He would love and prefer that somebody else does it. Nowadays, the complete opposite. Everybody wants to be the one giving the fatawa. Everybody wants to be the mufti. So the hadith tells you, have humbleness and have modesty. Do not think anything of yourself. Lower yourself before Allah and recognize the reality of where you are. And the truth of it is, the truth of it is, all of us, none of us have anything. None of us have anything. 
You sit yourself next to a Sheikh Al-Albani of our time. You sit yourself next to a Sheikh Bin Baz of our time. None of us are anything specks of dirt. So do not consider yourself to have anything. Strive as the scholars have strived for tens and tens of years, decades. And even then, after decades, and they are a hundred times more knowledgeable than you, they still say, we are only small students of knowledge. We are only small students of knowledge. So this humbleness is a great characteristic to have. Tanbih ma tawada'a ahadun lillah Tanbih ala husnil qasdi wal ikhlas Then this is to highlight to you that you should have the good intention and the sincerity in your heart and not that you are seeking the knowledge for any type of status. Then we come on to the next narration of Abu Hurairah radiyallahu anhu. In this hadith he mentions that the Prophet said, كُلُّ عَمَلِ ابْنِ آدَمْ يُضَاعَثُ الْحَسَنَةُ بِعَشْرِ أَمْثَالِهَا إِلَى سَبْعِمِئَةِ ضَعْفِ That all of the actions of Ibn Adam, they are multiplied in reward. Every good deed you do, it is multiplied in reward. Every good deed gets ten times the reward of it. Up to seven hundred times the reward of it. One good deed. And you may end up with 700 times the reward for it. قَالَ تَعَالَى But then Allah said, إِلَّا sawm Except fasting. فَإِنَّهُ لِي Because fasting, Allah said, is for him. وَأَنَا And Allah, He says, I will reward the person. A person leaves his food and drink and desires for me. What does this mean then? Normally your good actions that you do, Allah gives you multiplied reward. One good action, you can get 10 good rewards for just one good action. Sometimes up to 700 rewards for one good action. But not fasting. Fasting is absolutely unrestricted. Not even restricted by the 700. Allah rewards you as He wishes. Could be even more than 700 rewards for every fasting you do. That is an open reward Allah gives to the person. That is one of the greatest virtues of fasting. Then, لِسَّائِمِ farhatan. فَرْحَةٌ عِنْدَ فِطْرِهِ وَفَرْحَةٌ عِنْدَ لِقَاءِ رَبِّهِ That a fasting person has two times of happiness. One when he opens his fast, because Allah has given him the ability to complete the fast, so he's happy. He feels happy that he's finished his act of worship and got the reward for it. And secondly, عِنْدَ لِقَاءِ رَبِّهِ When he meets his Lord on the Day of Judgment, because he will get the reward of fasting. And he will enter in from the door of a rayyan that nobody enters in from except the fasting people. 
and the smell that comes from the mouth of a person who's been fasting, and that smell changes in your mouth when no food and drink goes in for many hours, normally it becomes not a very nice smell. But here Allah says that is more beloved, more fragrant than even the good smells. Why? Because that smell has occurred as a consequence of your act of worship. You have been fasting, worshipping, and as a consequence this fragrance has occurred, this smell has occurred, then it is more fragrant than even the good fragrances. And fasting is a safeguard for you. Fasting protects you and it is a safeguard for you. وَإِذَا كَانَ يَسُومُ صَوْمُ وَإِذَا كَانَ يَوْمُ صَوْمِ أَحَدِيكُمْ فَلَا يَرْفُضْ وَلَا يَسْخَبْ فَإِنْ سَابَّهُ أَحَدٌ أَوْ قَاتَلَهُ فَلْيَقُلْ إِنِّي مْرُؤٌ صَائِمٌ مُتَّفَقٌ عَلَيْهِ And when you are fasting, then do not engage in arguing and fighting with the people. Do not engage in cursing and abusing with the people. Do not engage in those types of activities whatsoever when you are fasting. If somebody comes and engages in those types of activities with you, abuses you, curses you, then say to him, I am a man who is fasting. I am fasting. I will not engage in this abuse and swearing and cursing with you. I will not engage in this fighting with you. I am fasting for the sake of Allah. And you leave upon that. And that is a hadith which is muttafaqun alayh in al-Bukhari and Muslim. That is the narration we'll conclude upon today. If there are any questions up to there, then you can mention those now. So the, fa- Sorry, mm. the fasting, this is the obligatory fasting or, or the nafas? Any type of fasting. When a person fasts, then these great rewards of fasting are mentioned for them. Now, for example, you're in the month of Shawwal. You have the six days of Shawwal. If you haven't done it so far, then you have missed a great reward because now it's too late. Now six days of Shawwal are not left anymore. Only three or four are left. You have missed a great chance for a great reward. All you had to do was fast six days. You did the whole of Ramadan. You did the whole of Ramadan 29 days. All you had to do was six more. If you didn't do it, then what a great opportunity you missed out on. So these are fasts, obligatory and supererogatory, that you do for these great rewards. Giving to family, then of course, absolutely. If you see your own family members who are in need of aid and assistance, then help them. They are your next of kin. They are your relations. 
They are deserving that you help them. So if you have family who are in need of your wealth, they need some assistance, then you should do so. Absolutely. Give it to them first. And then outside of that, you give your charity to the good causes. Non-Muslims, it is possible. It is possible to do it. If that is going to be a means of attracting his heart to Islam. It is going to be a means of da'wah to him. You have a neighbor, he's in some difficulty, he couldn't pay his rent this month. Struggling, genuinely, you know he's struggling. He doesn't waste his money on drugs and alcohol and those things. He's a good guy. He's a kafir though. A good guy, and he doesn't get involved in those other types of uh, alcohol, drugs, those types of things. He's an average guy like that. He's struggling though, and he can't pay his rent this month, so you help him. You help him with the shortfall, the extra hundred or whatever it is, you help him and you give it to him. Because you do that, hoping that this will bring his heart to Islam. He will think, MashaAllah, my Muslim neighbor, look how good he was to me. Look how good he was to me. Just help me for no reason. I've never done anything good for him. So this may be something which attracts him to Islam and attracts him to the Muslims. That can be done. That can be done. So we'll conclude upon that for tonight then. In two weeks' time, there won't be this lesson. It's a conference. Yeah, in two weeks' time, which is supposed to be the next lesson in a fortnight, it's going to be August 4th. August the 4th, that one in two weeks' time won't be on. There won't be a lecture on because in two weeks' time, there is the big conference in Birmingham. Everybody's going to be there. All of the speakers, all of the attendees, everybody's going to be in Birmingham in two weeks' time. The weekend of 4th, 5th, and 6th, I think, of August. So this lesson in a fortnight won't be on. It will be there for the fortnight after that. So inshallah ta'ala, until then, we'll conclude. وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين